Hello, this is Kenya, and welcome to my magical cottage core life. Tonight, I'm looking at a beautiful moon. It's shining. It's not a silver circle at all. It's a luminous, pearly disc with a few shades on it, and it's absolutely breathtaking. No stars around it here, but I know they're there. And the light of it is filling the sky. It's cutting through the light pollution of the cities. It is magnificent. And some of the flowers in my garden are responding and reflecting a bit of that light. So, maybe you'd like to make a garden that would reflect light as well. So, open up your big book of stuff, because tonight, we're going to talk about how to make a moon garden. Let's get started. Don't forget to turn to the section on gardening. The first plant I'm going to talk about would be a white flower. And usually you would be right, but not this time. This time, I'm going to recommend we start with a plant that has leaves that are silvery rather than a moonflower. And we will get to moonflowers. Dusty Miller is a really good one. So is Lamb's Ear. Both of these plants make a beautiful kind of, not glow, but a subtleness that refracts the light and is really pretty. And it actually lights up the area around it. Not through an internal light per se, but by the way that it reflects the light that gets cast on it when the moon hits. So maybe if you're going to do your moon garden, definitely include those two. So you don't have to put this next flower right on top of those. You don't, okay? I don't want you to feel that everything has to be clumped together. In fact, you should spread these things out. Maybe even make a pattern of a crescent or something. Or of a beautiful clock face. Whatever makes you happy. But the next flower you could think of, if you want a little bit of a height and a little bit of willow, we kind of movement when the wind blows are white cosmos. You heard me. There are white cosmo flowers and they're absolutely gorgeous. I would recommend putting them in an area that you don't have a lot of foot traffic because if you have cosmos, you know they can get tall, but they also aren't very forgiving if you step on them. So definitely put it somewhere where you're not gonna have a lot of traveling. You actually might find some bunnies in there if you look very closely. My friend down in Texas, hi Sherry, but yeah, my friend down in Texas, 
she actually has bunnies uh, in her mint patch, which is actually really clever. She has a small garden and the bunnies hide in the mint patch, which nothing's going to see them there and it smells good and it will cover their scent. So that's great. So I don't know if they would hide in the zinnias or in the cosmos or anything else, but they definitely pick the mint. I do believe, though, you have a good chance of finding bunny friends in white cosmos in the evenings. Another flower that I find beautiful in liminal spaces, especially in the evenings, is Lily of the Valley, although it's easier to see it when there's something that's lighting the area up a little bit better because there's a lot of green with the white little delicate bells. But if you put uh, the little mirrored hanging mobiles, you know, the little tiny mirrors near it, they can refract the light onto the lily of the valley. And it's gorgeous. It's a good mix. Um, you give it a try, see if it works for you. Just understand that it is a poisonous plant, and many of the plants we're going to discuss in this particular uh, episode may be poisonous, so keep that in mind. But it's such a cute plant, it's absolutely lovely, and it's one of those uh, sacred plants that was used to actually consecrate and bless certain things, so there's your assignment for the week. Uh, maybe give a look into its history. If you are in a pretty easygoing climate and have a moderate success as a gardener, there is a tiny evergreen that you might want to check out, and it's called Night Flocks and that would be gorgeous in a garden as well. It has these beautiful flowers and that's definitely something that you would, not, you would want in a moon garden. But if we jump off of that for a minute and go into something completely different, there is a trumpet vine that blooms at night. And even though it doesn't refract the moonlight per se, it's perfect for a night garden and for a moon garden. Uh, and I think that you could consider it. Just keep in mind that when those flowers open up at night and they have that beautiful perfume, children that might be outside should already be well aware of not to eat things in your garden so you don't have any mishaps. And of course, I'm referring specifically to Angel's Trumpet. If you've seen it, you can't forget it, not at all. I believe it's pronounced Brumansia, but it's been a minute, so I'll have to look back into that. But I think that you would really uh, enjoy that. Okay, you knew this was coming. You knew I was going to discuss it this flower. I'm talking about moonflower. Yes, you know the one. 
the real moonflower. Moonflower vines are intoxicating in their elegance. And they're actually intoxicating in quite a few ways. You could actually, if you wanted to engage in an experiment, an unwise one, fill up a room full of flowering moonflowers in the evening and see how you feel when you close it off. You will find that it's very likely you could pass out. They are intoxicating literally. Too much of it in an enclosed space with a small child could become rather tragic. So give this flower a healthy amount of respect. Don't put it in your mouth. Yes, you. I'm looking at you. Don't put things in your mouth. Just randomly. Don't do that. But you can smell them in moderation. Another flower that's absolutely beautiful is tobacco, the white tobacco flower, the nicotinia. It's gorgeous. And if you have a chance to plant it, do so. Just understand that you do not smoke the nicotine flower. I'm drinking a little coffee tonight while I'm doing this evening's podcast. The notes of hazelnut in the gas station coffee are giving me life right now. Thank you, gods of Speedway. Well, there's no actual gods of Speedway, but you get my point. A little coffee in the evening hits the spot. But definitely, uh, nicotinia flowers are something I would definitely recommend. Not only are they a subtle uh, presence in the garden, but in the evening, the aroma just takes over. So I would definitely put that very high on my list for my moon garden. And now we get to the flower that my husband is not very fond of, though I like it. I like sweet alyssum. I always have, I always will. The problem with that particular flower is that because of how it grows, if you lift up the mat of the flowers, there's nothing under it but dirt. I mean, it just completely wipes out the area except for itself. Well, my husband is a landscaper, he likes things to be in order, but he also doesn't like anything that takes over an area only for itself. So that's where we disagree. But then again, I like the tree of heaven. So we have to agree to disagree. But another flower that's just as uh, pretty and simple is the white Shasta daisy. So if you don't want to have something that's a ground cover, and just want something that is pretty and elegant in its simplicity, go with the Shasta Daisy. And yes, the moon will light those up as well.
Now there is another flower I love and it's on my porch. And it's a jasmine plant, but it's not the normal night blooming vine. It's a different one. There are more than one type of jasmine. And I have found that all the jasmines, that scent makes the night come alive. So if you can find the vine, and if your climate sustains it, I highly recommend planting night blooming jasmine. It will transform your gardening experience to have that plant there because the scent is, is, is almost inexplicably gentle yet alluring. It's spiritual in its own way, but still a kind scent. I can't explain it. You have to smell it. And unless you've smelled jasmine, it's difficult to describe. It's kind of like describing sugarcane to someone who's never had it. It's they are they might think that bamboo is sugarcane if they've never had it. It's very difficult, but if you can, if nothing else, try to find some jasmine tea, but it's a pale comparison. to the flower that I love to grow and I haven't been able to grow it for a few years because there's been children next door to me but now the children have grown and gone out into the world so next year this flower will return to my garden the Tura Inuxia or sometimes I also grow you know have other names for it and other varieties in the same family. But basically, sacred datura. I grow datura. I grow white, double-bloomed datura. Sometimes it's purple, sometimes it's yellow, but the one that I grow is white, double-bloomed datura. And it is wonderful. And the smell is out of this world. It really is. You could say it's transcendent because it puts you into a trance. Get it? Trance? Transcendent? You knew there was going to be a mom joke. Don't look at me that way. <laughs> okay, but seriously, that is one of my favorite plants to grow. Absolutely. 10 out of 10. Love it. But if you have children around, do not grow this plant lightly because it seems to sing to them and they're always curious about it. But for a moon garden, it's the bee's knees. Although bees don't pollinate this plant. More so hawk moths and other night pollinators. That's why it opens up 